Hello, everyone. Welcome out to the Professional Dork Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number three. What happened to episode number two, you might ask? Well, as you know, this show has a Patreon page, a way to support the show and donate and also get some extras for your hard-earned cash. And those who pledge $2 a month on our Patreon get two extra episodes each month. That's twice the amount of episodes. It's easy to remember, the odd numbers are available for free to the public, but the even numbers are a thank you for all those who support this podcast. If you want to join those happy ranks and get those extra episodes, you should head on over to patreon.com slash professional dork. This is, of course, a storytelling podcast, so let's get on with the story. Tonight's tale is about star-crossed lovers, two actors stuck beneath the stage in dire circumstances. Sit back and enjoy this very sappy and cliched title of Love Conquers All. Your boyfriend is a piece of work. The statement was delivered through grit teeth with no small amount of vehemence. But Sandy couldn't entirely blame the speaker, a young man named Tristan, for his outburst. In fact, it was more animation and energy than she'd seen out of him in a long time. X, she corrected as she pressed her hands to the wound on his arm. The gunshot hadn't completely missed its mark, but Sandy kept a little hope that it wouldn't be fatal. The bleeding wasn't severe enough to make her believe it had hit a major artery, and so she kept pressure on the spot to keep the situation under control. Not that there was really any control to be had. What? Tristan gasped out, distracted by the pain. Ex-boyfriend, Sandy repeated. Pulling guns on people was a rather large deal-breaker, after all. Or, no, boyfriend, we weren't really together. That got an eye-roll from the young man under her hands. That's hard to believe, he said, but refrained from saying anything else. He pursed his lips and closed his eyes for a brief second, riding out a wave of agony. Not that I'd know what real love looked like, right? That was cutting, but probably deserved. Tristan had once been Sandy's boyfriend as well, and the breakup had been less than amicable. Harsh words were said, feelings were hurt, and he'd walked through life like a beaten puppy ever since. It was almost refreshing to hear him giving her attitude now, proof that his spirit hadn't been completely snuffed out. It was then that Sandy noticed Tristan's leg. She'd missed it at first, due to the dim lighting in their cramped little space. They were underneath the stage of their rundown theater, beneath a rotating platform that had been built for the musical currently taking place above them. The platform was about 15 feet in diameter, and at its full height, rose 7 feet off the stage. But at the moment, it was in its lowered state, and only offered Sandy and Tristan about 3.5 feet of height to crouch underneath. With only a few work lights to see by, and the possibility of the platform raising or rotating at any moment, it was a highly dangerous place for two actors to be crawling around in. And currently... Tristan was proving all of those safety warnings accurate. His right leg was caught securely between the moving joints of the platform, crushed, though to what degree, Sandy couldn't say. It was too dark and the space too cramped to get a good look at the wound, and the more she shuffled around, the more she jostled Tristan into near screams. 
Finally, she added her voice to his. Help! she screamed as loud as she could. Somebody help us! We need an ambulance! She yelled and pounded on the platform with her fists, but didn't hear any break in the music or dancing above. Their co-workers were focused on the show, and the old theater kept them prisoners underneath, keeping the real adventure far away from the audience's eyes. Tristan also weakly beat the ceiling above them with his good hand, and his eyes searched furtively for an escape route. There was none. When the platform lowered, it had trapped them both inside. When fully erect, it was possible to slip between the metal supports, but when depressed, the joints bent in such a way that squeezing out was impossible. The gunshot might not have killed him, but their current position might finish off both of them. I don't think they can hear me, Sandy all but cried, the urgency of the moment now pressing on her with all the weight of a building. Tristan just let out a slow breath. Not during the second act opener. Maybe during the Grand Vizier's death scene. When things were quieter. But could Tristan hang on that long? She couldn't see much blood from his leg due to the bulky costume, but the pain had to be horrific, and the gunshot wound in his arm would definitely need medical attention soon. We have to get out of here, Sandy stated the obvious. You don't have a cell phone on you, do you? While I'm working? You kidding? Tristan's face somehow managed to be patronizing, even while suffering from multiple injuries. Expecting an actor to have a phone in the pocket of his costume was a long shot anyway. Both of their phones were likely back in their dressing rooms, completely useless to them. Sandy shuffled back, then scooted around to search yet again for an exit. She was careful not to let her hands, feet, or ornate costume dress get caught in any of the movable parts, lest she end up like Tristan. But for all her efforts, she couldn't see anything but wood and metal surrounding them, blocking them in like a cage. Nothing wide enough for her to crawl through. How long do you think till they notice we're missing? she asked. I'm sure the stage managers called our places. They've got to be getting nervous at least. Even so, Tristan didn't look hopeful. And neither was Sandy. They won't think to look here. No, they won't. He sighed, and the sound made Sandy more anxious, if that were possible. Do you think they'll stop the show? They won't keep going without us, can they? Missing the two leads? Now Tristan laughed. If they can keep that story going, I'd pay to see it. The thought was less amusing, given their situation. But I don't think they'd be that audacious. Someone's going to come looking for us. And how long would that take? Would they move the platform in the meantime, possibly hurting Tristan more? Or crushing her alongside him? The thought sent Sandy's mind racing. The turntable moves right next. Clockwise? I'm not sure. Where we shift to the desert set and the love song begins. I really can't remember. Tristan groaned and Sandy sighed. Just trying to figure out how desperate we are. Well, we could gnaw my leg off like an animal. He grunted and pushed himself up gingerly. If this thing moves any more, I might consider it. With that, Sandy was out of ideas. She didn't know what else to do. I'm sorry she said finally. I didn't mean for this to happen. 
Well, I hope not, Tristan drawled, and Sandy winced. I was trying to protect you. Protect me? Tristan barked out a bitter laugh. How is this protecting me? Hey, whose idea was it to hide under the moving platform? I was trying to get away from your nutso boyfriend with the gun. Well, that worked, Sandy shot back, then regretted it. But I never meant for you to be hurt, really. Tristan lost a lot of his anger then. It's not your fault you have the crazy boyfriend. This is his fault. And with the release of anger, he dropped back into that quiet, morose depression that had been far too common of late. Sandy felt her heart breaking. This had gone too far. It's ex-boyfriend. It doesn't matter, he said. You can love whoever you want. I love you. She saw Tristan stiffen, saw his head turn up with the small slivers of light dancing across his eyes. What? Sandy smiled, the first real smile she'd had since their breakup, then dropped her eyes to the floor. Like you said, it doesn't matter. He can't hurt us anymore. Tristan thought about this for a minute. But you said you didn't love me. You were very clear about that. I know. You said I was a naive little boy to mistake acting for real life. I know. You called me a- I know! She interrupted. I didn't mean it. I was trying to protect you. That earned her a skeptical look. Right. Jason said he was going to kill you if I didn't end it, Sandy insisted, and that got Tristan's attention. I didn't know what to do. There wasn't time to call the police, and he never left me alone for a second. I was just trying to keep him from hurting anyone until I could figure out what to do. She trailed off as she realized Tristan was smiling through the dark. What? You love me? He grinned like an idiot. You love me. Yeah, I love you, you moron. She allowed herself another smile that quickly fell. If you'd just stayed away, you'd have been safe. But no, Tristan refused to keep his distance, no matter what she'd tried. Simply breaking up with him hadn't been enough. He'd wanted to know why. He tried to make up for his supposed mistakes— and then, when he'd finally accepted that it was over and the love of his life had rejected him, there was still the play to consider. As the two leads, the two romantic leads, in the musical Love Amongst the Clouds, Tristan and Sandy saw each other every day, whether they wanted to or not, whether they spoke to each other out of rehearsal or not. Admittedly, with Tristan's sullen and despondent attitude, the story of love amongst the clouds was far less inspiring than one might have expected, but still, he never quit their amateur theater company, no matter how hard Sandy pushed him to. And she'd pushed, breaking his heart a little further with every word, but he dug in his heels and held on to the fantasy, or to the only good thing he had left, and they were together on the stage every single night. Her boyfriend, Jason, hadn't liked that, in hindsight, Sandy realized that maybe she should have been the one to quit, but she was honestly scared to isolate herself from her friends any further. Rehearsals were the only time she could get a foot away from her unwanted new boyfriend, that obsessive personality she thought was a friend, 
and until she found a way to get help, she had to give in to the threats and demands. But she was afraid to just cut off all contact from her past life completely. That, and Jason liked the thought of dating an actress. But Tristan always hanging around? That he couldn't take. Which led to their current situation, running from a crazed gunman, and now trapped under the stage. At least Jason had fled once his shot struck Tristan, though it was anyone's guess where he was now or whether he was coming back. Don't worry, we'll get him, Tristan reassured, as if reading her thoughts. We'll call the police, he's toast. Just as soon as we get out of here. If we get out of here, Sandy corrected, and Tristan just beamed. Oh, we will, he insisted. You love me. Like I'd let us just die after that. Above them, the music was changing, the upbeat number moving into a slower, passion-filled ballad. I think that's our number. Who's singing it? Not the understudies. They wouldn't switch actors midway through the show. But someone was singing, though Sandy couldn't make it out. She pounded on the wood some more, but it didn't seem to make a difference. The song didn't stop, and on the second verse... Tristan began singing his part, somewhat weak and raspy with pain. "'No one can hear you,' Sandy reminded him, though she wished that weren't the case. She punched the ceiling again, while Tristan tossed his head. "'It's a matter of principle.' But his song drifted off into humming, and he closed his eyes. Worried, Sandy patted his leg. "'Hey, don't go to sleep on me.' "'I couldn't if I tried.' came the tense reply, but Tristan did obediently open his eyes. We'll be fine, Sandy. The stage manager checks under here after every show. They'll find us then. Can you last that long? she asked and got no reply. In the silence, she began tearing off strips of her dress to create a tourniquet for the gunshot in Tristan's arm. Her knowledge of first aid was limited, but it seemed like the right thing to do, and goodness knew she had to do something besides lay there and let him bleed out. Tristan grunted a little bit as she tied off the wound, but was otherwise optimistic. Yeah, I'll be fine. We've made it away from your ex, right? The rest is all downhill. Sandy grimaced. I'm not convinced. At least we're together? Tristan tried again. Still not a great consolation. We're going to die down here, Sandy emphasized when Tristan seemed to fall into a hurt silence. It only lasted a second, though. Well, at least we'll die together. She could have slapped him. Are you crazy? Crazy in love? Uh, not another speech about love. He had a million of those monologues tucked away. Spiels and exhortations ready to be spoken at the drop of a hat. A real-life Romeo and while it was sometimes sweet and inspiring, it could just as easily be annoying. But Tristan was naive and earnest to the core. What? No, love is the most important thing in the universe. Is it? Sandy sighed. I've heard nothing out of you but how love is stronger than anything. Love conquers all. Is it stronger than this? She gestured to their surroundings, much as her movement was limited. Yes, Tristan replied with certainty. It is. Sandy was sure, even through the dark, that his lips were pursed with childlike stubbornness. 
I lost faith in it for a while when I thought you'd broken up with me. It was the darkest time of my life, but now I know I never should have given up. If you had given up, both of us would be healthy and well, Sandy reminded. It's that stubborn naivety of yours that got you into this mess. I wish you'd just accepted we were over. Are you trying to make me hate you right before we die? Tristan shook his head. No, we're gonna get out of here. And I've got no regrets. He turned his face to hers, nothing but adoration in his eyes. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings that then I scorn to change my state with kings. Shakespeare? Sandy asked. Well, at this point I'd change our state with a janitor if it got us out. Still, this was why she loved him. Why she tried so hard to protect him from Jason and why her heart had ached every day they were apart. She patted his cheek. Hang in there. Don't seem to have much choice, Tristan said with a small laugh and looked around at their surroundings. You know... I think I remember voting against this platform. It had been such a pain to build, magnificent as it looked from the audience perspective, and now it was giving them nothing but misery. You're going to hate it a lot more in a minute, Sandy said, disheartened by the rising clamor she heard above them. Several pairs of feet were running, vacating the area, and the music was building. The cue for the next scene change was coming, and that meant the platform would move again. We've got to get you out of here, now! I'm stuck! The young man insisted, but scooted and shuffled with urgency as the realization sunk in. Is there anything we can use? A hammer? A saw? I don't care, as long as... He stopped, as the sound of the motor suddenly came to life. Sandy! His voice was full of fear, but nothing could stop the platform from moving, and then there was only the sounds of pain. Ah! The ceiling above them rotated clockwise and slowly started to lower. As it moved, Tristan's trapped leg moved with it, and he scrabbled to free his leg or follow the trajectory, eventually giving up and just pounding on the floor and ceiling with his fists, regardless of his hurt arm. Get us out! Help! Get us out! Sandy followed, doing her best to free or soothe or anything useful, and nearly got her hands caught in the moving parts, too. At some point, her dress got snagged, and the hem came loose with a horrible ripping sound when she jerked her leg back, but it still didn't drown out Tristan. "'How are they not hearing this?' she shrieked, but she knew in her heart that there was so much wood and set for the sound to travel through, and so much music, dancing, and song to carry over." Still, she screamed and begged and cried in gratitude when the platform finally stopped moving, giving her and Tristan less than a foot of height to maneuver in, but leaving them alive. Tristan! Tristan, are you okay? She could turn her head, but there wasn't enough room to roll over, not without some serious contorting of her shoulders. Luckily, she heard coughing nearby, and she crawled over to Tristan, whose face was now completely white. This she could tell even in the darkness. He lay on his back, leg twisted in what had to be an uncomfortable position, and still stuck in the metal apparatus. There was no place to squeeze through now. They were more trapped than ever. I'm fine. I'm fine. He gasped out, barely choking back whimpers. That's the last time the platform lowers. 
It only goes up after this. But not the last time it turns, she countered, moving as close as she dared to inspect his arm. For all it mattered now. She paused, listening. Things have gone quiet up there. Good, I have a headache, Tristan moaned. No, it's quiet! She turned her head so she wasn't shouting in Tristan's ear and started another plea for help. We're down here! Please, someone help us! We need a doctor! She couldn't hear much from above, just some muffled footsteps and sounds, but the steps did halt for a time. Please, help us! Were they stopping to listen? Or because that's where their character was supposed to stand? Sandy couldn't tell. Please! Star-crossed lovers, Tristan murmured, sounding very tired. Like Romeo and Juliet. What? Sandy looked over and saw his eyelids drooping. Tristan, focus. Stay with me. They weren't allowed to be together, but they tried anyway. And then they died. That's completely different from us, Sandy insisted. Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy. We're not stupid like that. But it wasn't their fault, Tristan insisted, and Sandy allowed it because it was proof that he wasn't just dropping off into a coma. He shifted a little, this argument apparently being very important to him. Their parents waged war all over the city, didn't care how high the stakes got or how many casualties it took, and it took the death of their kids to make them stop. You really think they'd have settled down if they'd lived, start a mature relationship and live happily ever after? Sandy had never understood the appeal of that one Shakespeare play, or Tristan's love for it, but he was adamant in his defense. I think it doesn't matter. They were kids. Their death was a tragedy, their love was something beautiful, and they shouldn't have had to die for it. They chose to die. They committed suicide. They were driven to believe they had no other options, Tristan countered. Don't blame the victims. Everyone else does, Sandy muttered. It doesn't matter. We're not going to die. We're going to live. My hero, Tristan replied, a smile appearing on his face. Next time the platform raises, get out and go through the trapdoor system. It's the quickest way. Get help. Yeah, that's the plan, Romeo. Just don't die on me in the meantime. Die? No, how can I die? I'm so in love. The moment was sweet, but faced with the stark reality, not comforting to Sandy. Love is so powerful, is it? Can it stop death? Tristan gave a sly grin. Kiss me and find out. She was about to retort, or maybe give in, but then the sound of the motor revved up again. Tristan's face blanched, even more than before. This is it. Hold still, I'm going to try and get your leg out. She reached for him before he could protest or brace himself, and the blood-curling scream had to have been heard above ground. Still, she was able to wrench his leg out of its prison once the platform rose and the metal joints shifted, and that meant he could be moved out of the dangerous situation. It also, unfortunately, meant there was no longer the pressure to stop his leg from bleeding out. Uh-oh. Doesn't matter, just move, he hissed, and the two of them scrambled and squeezed, pushed and shoved each other out of their strange cage, 
eventually making it to freedom on the other side. Sandy barely took a minute to rest before ripping more swaths of fabric from her dress to wrap the injured and completely crunched leg. They can fix it, Tristan. Just trust me. We'll get you to a hospital and it's all going to be fine. He flinched and gasped as she took care of his wound. And Sandy began to worry that he'd pass out from the pain. But she couldn't just leave it as it was. The leg was a lost cause, though. Mangled completely, she didn't know what a doctor could do for it. Still, she had to hope. When she was finally convinced she'd done all she could, she put a hand on his shoulder to try and get his attention. Tristan! Hmm? His eyes were closed, and he seemed to be drifting away. Tristan! Yeah. Barely there, but Sandy had no other choice. I'm going to run and get help, okay? Just stay here and don't move. She didn't get a reaction. I'll be back as quickly as I can. You're safe here. Just stay alive, okay? I'll be back. I know, he whispered. You love me. You'll be back. Sandy hesitated. She wanted to say this wasn't the time for any sappy love speeches, but it died in her throat. Tristan continued. I thought I was dead without you. Now I'm alive again. He opened his eyes and managed to smile. Nothing else matters. I'll be fine. Love is stronger than anything. Sure, she agreed, even if her heart wasn't in it. Sure, baby, just hang on. I'll only be gone a second. And then she raced, through the crawl space, not caring about tears and dust on her already ruined costume, not caring if she bumped her head on the too small ceiling. She shoved open the trap door and scurried in, then tore down the small hallway to its other entrance, a small door located upstage right. It was bolted shut, not used for the current show, but it was easy enough to remove the supports and unbolt the door, and then she swung it up and open so quickly she thought it would fly off its hinges. Above her now shone the bright, piercing stage lights, burning with the promise of freedom, and also stares from the few people on stage. For a split second, a part of her recognized the humor in the situation, the stunned performers, the curious audience, and she was almost tempted to try and make her entrance part of the show, improvise an excuse for all the craziness Jason had caused. Almost. As much as the show had to go on, she wasn't sure Tristan could wait another second. Even though once he was safely recuperating in a hospital bed, he would be the first to lament the lost opportunity. But it was time to stop the show. Tristan's been shot! He's under the stage! Call 911! And then it was out of her hands. The magic of the stage was broken. People were rushing around. The medics thankfully showed up. And finally, Tristan's pale form was extradited and brought to the surface. Tristan! She ran to his side, ignoring the emergency personnel and taking his hand. Tristan, are you all right? Alive might have been a better word. There was no way he was all right. But despite the terribly pale face, the bleeding arm, the twisted and mangled leg, he was at least alive. Of course I am. True love, he whispered out, a wide grin and glassy eyes that seemed barely able to focus. Stronger than death. I think death gave us a run for our money today, she whispered back. But don't worry, you're on your way to the hospital. 
Everything's going to be fine. It already is. And then his head fell back against the stretcher, and he was packed into the back of the ambulance. In the whirl that followed, following the ambulance, dealing with the hospital, calling the police and making statements, finally being able to tell someone of Jason's threats, Sandy wondered if all of Tristan's love speeches were as powerful as he believed them to be. She wasn't so sure she was convinced love was strong enough to conquer all, strong enough to stop death. Sometimes, thinking of his leg crunched between the metal, or the blood slowly oozing out of the gunshot in his arm, she wasn't sure it was worth any of this. But to Tristan, he'd been dead ever since she shattered his heart, and with her confession under the stage, he swore he'd been made alive again. Bold words, and she couldn't say she fully believed them. And as she sat by his recovery bed, she told him so. Well, luckily we have the rest of our lives for me to prove it to you, was his cheeky reply. You can start by kissing me. Kissing usually helps. Oh, really? Sandy asked, and Tristan nodded emphatically. Yes, kissing is almost as powerful as love. Sandy rolled her eyes. Really? Come on, Juliet. Your Romeo's alive. Don't you want to see how the rest of the story ends? And Sandy did. So she kissed him and found it was pretty powerful. As for all the rest, well, she'd just have to see. As Tristan said, they had the rest of their lives to find out. Thank you for listening to Love Conquers All. Just a reminder, if you liked this story and want to support the podcast to make sure more stories can get made, or even better, get twice the amount of episodes, you should head on over to patreon.com slash professionaldork. Pledging $2 a month not only keeps this podcast going and paying for all the expenses involved, it also gets you two extra episodes, twice the amount of stories. If that interests you, you should definitely head on over. Or even if you can't become a patron at this time, you should still head on over and comment on this episode. Let me know if it's one you like, if you want to hear more like it, that sort of thing. But most of all, thank you for listening. Goodbye until next time. <laughs>